Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hello and welcome to Asia Tech Podcast Stories. My name is Graham Brown. Today we are heading to Bangkok or Southeast Asia. Joining me in the ATP Virtual Studios. And he's warned me about the pronunciation of his name. So I'm going to have a go. Gear Winsfall. Gear, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Graham. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. I didn't have... Okay, let's put it on the record. I asked you what would be the proper Norwegian pronunciation of your name. Exactly. And I warned you that it might take 45 minutes to go through that. Even even uh, if I got it right, it would sound weird because it'll have an English accent. It sounds a little bit different. No, it's... uh, it's, uh, My mom would say uh, guide. 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 Right. Uh, but so, yeah, it's, or, it's, to it's all our Norwegian yeah. listeners, they will appreciate that. They will, okay. they will get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're from Norway originally, from Oslo? That's uh, more or less true. Uh, I'm from Norway. I grew up in uh, Telemark, which is kind of a little bit all right. okay. uh, to the west of Oslo, is three hours into the deep forest. Uh, so, I grew there, up there, with surrounded by cows and trees more or less and as far as soon as i could around 18 years old i moved to the big big city next door shane 15,000 users (laughs) or or or, uh, bright lights yeah exactly and then oslo a few years later so so that was where i lived 10 years ago and you you're, you are based in Bangkok. You live in Bangkok now. Yes. So I've been in Bangkok for almost seven years. Yeah. Um, uh, came here in 2011. I uh, Before that, I was actually traveling around the region and also a little bit on the global scale uh, for about four years. Mm. I guess uh, I was what you these days would call a digital digital nomad. Mm. Um, there were not that many of us at that point, and I, uh, I was actually running uh, my um, some of my startups back in Norway. But I was doing the opposite. I was kind of living around on uh, beaches and uh, wow. in big cities that I wanted to see, uh, while I had my developers sitting back in Norway. And oh wow! Facing. So your developers were in Norway, and you were living. Yeah, it's okay. kind of so, totally upside down. Right? Yeah, because <laughs> usually people say that you you would have your customers in Norway, and you would be developing in Thailand or yeah, Bali, exactly. right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. no, no, I, li- I like to test the, test <laughs> things uh, all the way around. <laughs> exactly. Test the model. Let, let's see if we could do the complete reverse and see if that works. So, all right, we're going to talk okay. about. Panya Studios, and we're going to talk about Santora Nakama, which is your, you know, your startup studio as well. Um, Correct. And really, how you got there? I want to just, if we can, just zoom into that a little bit about traveling around the region as well. I mean, you, you you described yourself as a digital nomad, maybe before digital nomads were a thing. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. Well, actually, I used to call it I, I used to call it Macpacker. Macpacker. I, I was like <laughs> an upmarket my, backpacker. Yeah, yeah, like a bag full of uh, routers and Apple TVs and <laughs> right, and, like full full setup for uh, for your little bungalows around so, the world. But wh- wh- uh, yeah. where did you go? Where, what what sort of time was this? Uh, nah, was, so this is like I think I started this in two thousand. 2006 2007 right so so i was running i was running a, a startup in in norway which we kind of we got more or less acquired by a bigger corporation and 
at some point I started to be quite bored <laughs> out of doing the same stuff over and over again. So I think I kind of negotiated myself into a situation where I could, instead of asking for more compensation, I would rather get some uh, flexibility in, in where I would uh, work from. And if it didn't work out, I, uh, that's easy. Then you just come back. So you have a great incentive on both sides. Mm. Uh, we keep the compensation low and, uh, or at least not higher. Uh, and, uh, and I get to, to explore the world while still doing the same stuff. I would, I would say that is, I could not recommend it for scaling the business, but it was great. <laughs> it was great lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's also, it's, it's part of like when you, it's almost like at the end of every blockbuster movie where they end up on the beach and drinking pina coladas. It's kind of one thing that the, that need to kind of test is this actually, is this the end game? Like is, is right. are we working, are we working to get to this point? Why can't we just do this point now instead and then see if that's actually what you want? And uh, I guess that's what I did. So. That was the sort of 2006. I mean, you mentioned that. That was the sort of the era Tim Ferriss came out with the four hour work week. Yeah. And I, I, just wi- I wish started, I started, right? Just, oh, maybe <laughs> even wish- before, right? <laughs> I, I remember reading the book, uh, after kind of landing or stranding, whatever you call it, in, uh, in Bangkok. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I wish I had this book before I did this. <laughs> but, um, but I remember because I, the reason why I'm saying like it was not that many of it was because I was always, be the awkward one sitting on this resort with my laptop up and people would ask, why the hell are you actually sitting here working? Yeah. Uh, yeah. when you're on vacation, I'm like, I'm, I'm actually not on vacation. <laughs> I'm sitting here working. Well, people didn't know <laughs> then, then. I mean, you, you didn't have no, the choice, did you? It was, it was like you worked or you went on vacation. You couldn't do both. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, well. uh, no, so, so no, that's true. Yeah. So, so, um, four, four hours work week. Um, absolutely has some, some great pointers there. Uh, and I wish I had some of them before, but also, yeah, it's a very individual, uh, experience. And, and I, I guess it's also very different when you're actually running startups, like most of the digital nomads you mm. see would maybe more do, uh, they do maybe remotely work, uh, agency work and service uh, providing like search on, uh, engine optimization, uh, graphic design for developing, uh, it's a little bit more complicated maybe to run hmm. the team and also, as I said, scale a business by doing it this way. It's not impossible, but, um, yeah, it was, it's a great experience. So, right. so yeah. I was traveling, traveling mostly around Southeast Asia. So, so Thailand, um, and a place called Kuchang, which is, uh, one of the biggest islands, uh, used to be my, uh, my headquarters. <laughs> I kind of found. <laughs> I, found I love this, the image, Kochang uh, headquarters. <laughs> yeah. Like what was the internet in. like back then? Yeah. It was. It wasn't too bad. Uh, that mm-hmm. was one of the few criteria, and also the reason why this specific place ended up being one of my headquarters or the headquarter. Um, they had stable internet. Um, the the big uh, the the base station was kind of next to the resort more or less. Mm. Uh, it was, it was stable. Um, I remember I had to pay for the hours, so that was not scalable. <laughs> so, mm. so I managed to get, um, the secret password at some point, I think two weeks in, in my stay. So, uh, so that's kind of, it became, became the, um, the headquarter because of this scalability. It was, uh, infrastructure was good. You could, you had stable Wi-Fi. 
you had backup wife, you had backup 3G. Um, yeah, and you had also easy access to social life, uh, which is sometimes could, it needs to be a balance there. It can't be too easy. You're traveling around by yourself. You don't necessarily have these co-working spaces you have now where you can actually uh, meet other people that also need some more mm. uh, discipline in their day-to-day life. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, the up and downside of actually doing it this way was that I also had to be around a lot of people that had no worries in life because they were on vacation yeah, or they were backpacking. And that's, that's the, that's was the big challenge, but yeah. uh, it worked. It worked. And you were sitting there with your MacBook whilst they were enjoying yeah. life and you were hammering away working. I, I think exactly. share with the listeners a little bit about that background because you, I don't know the full story, but it's really interesting. 2002, 2004, Norway, you yeah. co-founded what you say was the biggest online social network in Norway in 2003. I mean, where do you start with that? What, what sort of, what was that and what sort of scale was yeah. that? So, uh, so I guess, so I've been, I've been on computers since I, uh, very early stage, I guess eight years old or something. Uh, so it was like kind of a natural progress from the bulletin board in the 1890s uh, into the internet. So when the internet became uh, accessible at least for a kid. <laughs> mm. Um, I was on it and I think, um, in the late nineties, I started to understand that there is, uh, there's no, some opportunities there to also to create some, uh, business or, or create, um, how can I, how can I earn money while sleeping? I guess that was one of the thoughts in my head. Um, and I think we, we tried, me, I tried a few things with less luck, um, for a while. And then I also partnered up with this, uh, other guy, the developer. And, and we, we kind of by mistake, uh, <laughs> made, uh, a social network or, uh, it's, it's very, it's a very similar story to what you saw with Facebook. And right. that was more okay. or less, it was actually a little bit earlier than Facebook. So I'm very proud of that, of course, <laughs> but it was more or less taking existing online services and combining it with the more community uh, uh, community features so and there was not that much happening on the internet in early 2000 it was kind of getting mainstream it was just uh just getting there like i'm guessing penetration in norway would be maybe 60 percent that's a very bad guess actually but uh at the same time i was actually working more or less uh customer called sales job at Telenor, uh, one of the biggest telecom in the world. And, and I kind of started to see this trend as well with um, the phones. Now you were able to take pictures. So you actually had, everybody has on their camera. So I think that was part of what kicks, kicked this off. Mm. We, we started with um, the possibility to upload uh, pictures. It, it had like these hot or not features that she see. <laughs> it's like rates my pictures kind of thing, which mm. was already kind of big at, on that uh, on that time. So pretty, pretty, I would say, in aftermath, maybe cynical GC uh, mechanism to make people share this and, and make this viral hook, which happened. So after, I think, two, three months of putting this out and just sharing it with our friends, uh, it went 
uh, viral. And, and, um, it was also, as I said, like this was before we had anything. We didn't have the word social media. It was an online network. Um, and I guess every time when you create something new in society, it becomes, uh, <laughs> people get worried <laughs> because it's something new and, and people don't necessarily know what it is. So, so it became quite controversial in many ways. Um, we, uh, and partly, partly it's because of the security. People like, but what about the security? People can, you can be stalked. You can, like, mm-hmm. all the same problems we have today. But, um, I guess since it was such a new thing, and also we, of course, ended up with having teenage girls in bikinis <laughs> and all of these things that was really hard to moderate and made it kind of maybe into something also that the media kind of loved to talk about, but mm. what was maybe the opposite of what we tried to do. But at the same time, we understood that we can only milk this situation. So we went on all the talk shows and went on all the, in the, in the media and kind of, um, you doubled down on it. Yeah. We, 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 we tend to double down. <laughs> right. So, what was the name of the networks? I mean, Norwegian listeners will probably know, right? What was the name of it? I, I let, let them guess. Uh, uh yeah. they will, <laughs> they, they will, uh, they so will 2002, 2004, right. 2002. So, uh, I guess, uh, the learnings from there was also, um, also that even though if you maybe have a big, uh, if you, even if you kind of can scale something and, and be the market leader of, uh, of one, uh, of a, of a domain, uh, you always need to sort of look behind, uh, the next mountain or whatever. Uh, uh, so Facebook of course came later on and I would say four or five years later on and just mm. ate up that whole, um, local community of, of all the social networks more or less. So, so that was a great learning from, mm-hmm. uh, from that period of time. But, a great um, experience as well for yeah. you. I mean, from that, you, you, um, that was really the start of that whole sort of process for you as well, where you, you, you got into the creative side of things as well. I mean, talk a little bit about that. I know you, you have, uh, I mean, this sort of arcs back to what you're doing in Panya and for example, you like, you, after, the unnamed social network, which our Norwegian <laughs> listeners will know, <laughs> after after that experience, you did a bit of traveling. It's called yeah. What's sorry. it called? Sorry, the Dialyst. Okay, All right. they'll know. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So they, there's they the man. Know. They <laughs> <laughs> So you had this sort of interesting arc in your story. That I mean, I know your background was in computing and like BBS in the early days and programming and so on, but. You got into film, didn't you? And you got into the creative side of things. What, what was all that about? Was that something that you'd been wanting to do for a long time? Yeah, exactly. So uh, that was actually, that was my goal. So, so this uh, social network thing that happened was, uh, I actually didn't stay on board for that long. I, I kind of more or less sold my shares to my co-founder and said, I just actually got uh, accepted to my 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 dream school uh, called Westerals, which is kind of the... The, uh, the number one creative school of Norway is kind of the, where all the art directors, all the copywriters, all the, um, yeah, is the holy grail of mm. creative commercial, uh, uh, the industry of, of, uh, especially Norway. Um, they also have a similar school in Sweden. So, so it's kind of a long, 
uh, long-term wish to get in there. So, so even though I kind of jumped off uh, the startup ship uh, just when it was peaking, um, kind of this was this was my this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to actually make film. Um, but also, it's it's always been like I've always been attracted to the building. Like I have always been an entrepreneur, but it's also like that the creative process that maybe. Uh, excites me the most and that constantly ability to learn something new every day and and, and I think that's also what uh, startups and, and movie making actually share a lot in common mm. it's like you always jump into new product with uh, with necessarily not knowing what's going to happen next and it's all about actually being open for those uh, processes and uh, and the learnings mm. that comes with with those creative processes so so I went in um, as I said, I, I sold off some of my shares, all my shares actually, uh, um, not for much, <laughs> but uh, went to school, followed my dreams, and, and spent three years uh, having uh, three very, very good years uh, doing exactly what I wanted. Um, it's a great school, um, and it gives a lot of also, it's a, it's a great school for entrepreneurs because it's like it gives all that um, room for for freedom that we used to in the startup mm-hmm. world, uh, but with in, but with all the tools, uh, just you just introduce the tools and then you use the tools when you need it instead of getting forced to to have to uh, uh, you learn about tools that you might not use in the future, which is kind of part of the problem with the educational system. But yeah, sure. Anyway. So, so I did this for three years. I uh, graduated, uh, had, I guess, this big dream of becoming a pretentious uh, film director. Um, had spent more or less all my money on making those pretentious films, uh, student films. <laughs> so, so, so. <laughs> what kind of movies were you making at that time? Uh, pretty bad ones, I guess. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it was, uh, no, no. So it actually leads up to a few things. Um, uh, most of the stuff, I was making was actually um, short movies and commercials. Uh, I tried to actually specialize in short formats, like 45 seconds, 60 seconds, yeah, yeah. because I kind of had a, the commercial approach to it. And also, I, I come from the internet, and this was pre this was pre YouTube, so YouTube didn't exist at that point. No, uh, which changed also everything. I, I wish I went to this school and YouTube was around, but. Uh, <laughs> But, um, but anyway, so, so, but one, one, one big part that also was not planned, but what kind of brought me to my first real Asia trip was uh, a documentary I made in, in Beijing. Uh, it was a documentary about the contemporary art scene. It sounds extremely pretentious. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to look at that movie again to see how pretentious it was, but, <laughs> but, but the, bit, the, the most important part of it was maybe uh, it was a very eye-opening experience for me to be in Beijing because it was the first time I left Europe. Um, and I kind of figured out that I need to do something about that. Right. Uh, I, can, I can't, I, I need to see, explore, not explore more of the world, but actually there is an opportunity in, in life to actually live more than one life. Mm-hmm. Meaning that you can, you can, you can kind of, go from one place and, and have a nice life there. And I think also growing up on the countryside and, and already had done a few of those big moves, you kind of know that there is more big moves out there. So, yeah, yeah. but I guess, I guess uh, the, the positive part was also 
understanding that when you come into a new culture, a Chinese culture, contemporary art, like I was, I was talking to a very famous, uh, world famous artist and I understood how easy I could actually also access, um, this, these kind of, uh, societies or, or these kind of communities if I just have the right reason to, to get in. Uh, like you, if you have a door opener, you can open any door and you can, and they will open more doors for you kind of thing. <clears throat> so it kind of opened up my perspectives a lot that trip and that documentary that was made. I remember hanging out with the line producer of Kill Bill Tarantino being a big, um, mm. um, one of my big heroes at that point was kind of, it's kind of, it was very, it was a good, uh, it was a good journey. Um, <clears throat> and the documentary got, got to be screened at, uh, Norwegian documentary film festival. So, so yeah, so, so that was part of the eye opening experiences that I got from going to this school and also learning a lot about actually how to, to, to use, how to create or how, how to take tools and put in your tool box and use them uh, in these creative processes. So it doesn't become as chaotic as it might look from the outside. There's a bit more to the story as well, but we kind of get back to that. But Panya Studios, which is a an interactive yeah. content or media platform, how does that yeah. all sort of come together? You now are the co-founder and CEO of that outfit out of Bangkok. I know you have a presence in Singapore as well. Tell us a little bit about what Panya Studios is and also you know, how that kind of all came about. So let's talk about what is Panya Studios first. Yeah, first of all, it's actually... Um uh, it's actually most likely Thailand's, um, well, history wise, I think it's Thailand's, uh, fastest growing startup. We, we, right. we've been, uh, we've been, it was incorporated, I think, first of March and, and, um, we hit, uh, after three and a half week, we had, we went from zero to 130,000 daily active users. And then one week later, we hit 230,000 daily active users. So I don't think I've seen anyone close to those, not, not to brag, but I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and I, I, and I think it's been, it's been kind of a crazy, uh, crazy two months since we, uh, since we launched. So do, do when you, when so, you, yeah. when you sort of are in the middle of that, do you feel that kind of like deja vu back when you were running that social network in Norway? Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. So, so I, I think, uh, the really great thing about this product and this team right now is that, um, so I had that experience from the first viral, uh, the, the one in 2002, 2003, uh, that when you, when you've been through something like that once, you, I remember with Panya, like when we launched, like we didn't actually launch, we were testing it out. Same thing as we did with uh, our old uh, social network. We we're just testing it out with friends. Uh, the next day we saw that it was doubling and then you start to see the trend. And then in the first week, you know that you're sitting on something that will uh, go big. And you know that, you know that the hockey stick is coming. Um, at least you, it doesn't, you don't even need to go into the, I, I'm not, I'm not, I never go too deep into the details of the data. Like I, I, I look at the data a lot and also you just get that feeling that you, you can, you sense that there's a pattern coming mm. up right now. And in about four or five weeks, something big will happen. You, you just, you see the pattern and it is, it was, um, 
uh, the experience from from earlier days made it possible to be ahead of that scale. So because when these things happen, especially with doing video, we're doing uh, live video with very low latency, uh, to be able to scale that technically is really, really, really hard. And to make sure that also the tech team is kind of prepared for what's coming up, of course, we, we, uh, it's, you will always have growing pain. We, we will always have, you will always have scaling issues when you grow this fast, but at least being ahead uh, and knowing that now is coming, uh, it's coming very soon. Uh, unfortunately, it came, they came two weeks uh, before we expected it to come, but, <laughs> but we were, already in the process of what's a good problem to us. have isn't it that's the key exactly. what, what was um so the type of multimedia content is what is it mainly video what sort of thing so it, it's uh uh it's very similar uh, not very similar uh, it is highly inspired by uh an app that's got a lot of potential last year hq live uh we we kind of absorbed that in october when they launched before it went viral and we saw that this is this is uh exactly uh, we were actually, so in the studio, in the startup studio, we were kind of, we more or less was having a, I would call it a 12 month hackathon. So it was like a team I was running on side while we were kind of still building the older ventures, uh, that were playing around in the field of social, uh, video. Um, um, video, I guess it goes back to my background. I always wanted to do something in that kind of medium. Um, and social is also my background. So. So we're kind of playing around with stuff there. Um, uh, we were doing like three, four different uh, prototypes. Uh, it was partly to, to create a very strong team to kind of give them experience in a field that I really wanted to test out. And then this happened, uh, over there and we kind of dropped everything we had and just said, let's, let's, uh, be, take some inspiration from there now and then, and go in and, and localize this and see how we can create this uh, media platform for that. That's what, that's what we really got excited about this interactive media platform that we haven't, we haven't seen before. I think what's happening in that landscape right now, um, you will see hundreds of these apps. Uh, it's just, this is just, uh, it's, it's almost, it feels a little bit like in the old days when mm. you just hit something very new and you know that this is the window right now where you, just need to uh, go fast, <laughs> go yeah. as fast as possible. <laughs> where, where is the market going? Because it seems like, I mean, if you talk about media, then obviously YouTube video dominates. I mean, outside yeah. of China, obviously, you know, that dominates everything. Where, where's, are there niches emerging where people have specific sort of needs for interactive media? What's well, going on? <laughs> so you, you had, uh, you've seen like quite a lot of weird stuff going on over the last, Yes, I can't explain all of it because I, I don't understand all of it, but, um, live video. Uh, so YouTube came, uh, we got like this amazing, uh, possibility to kind of upload all our content to the cloud, uh, more or less, um, and access it whenever we wanted. It's, it's been great to, for, for creative people as well to just share their content and democratize, um, uh, content creation more or less and now the last couple of years has been like the live video mm. uh, focus uh, which you see awesome journalism you see great korean fat kid eating noodles and you see also a lot of these uh, video apps with a lot of cleavage and, yep. and uh, 
and uh, and it's girls. It's what the people uh, want. Getting attention, yeah. So, so but <laughs> I, 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 I see, yeah, I, I see, um, I see that as a very early stage right, uh, right. of uh, of a new medium, and and I think at some point, uh, as we've seen before in most uh, mediums, is that you start to learn, and then uh, it slowly. Uh, the audience start to educate themselves <laughs> or they get tired of the mm. noodle guy or it's not everything they get tired of but uh, but i think the next step now is what we get really excited about is the interaction part where you actually can uh the, the fact that you're not just you're not just it's actually going backwards a little bit it's like uh it's you need to be present when it happens you know? this, yeah, that's yeah. the live part yeah yeah um but then but then it's like in all our years growing up, we, we were watching TV, watching like people uh, winning millions on TV, um, cheesy dating shows, like uh, all these talent shows. We've been watching everybody else fulfill their dreams more or less on TV. Well, uh, now why don't we just turn that uh, upside down and, and you, you as the uh, viewer or as the user is part of it, you're part mm. of the content. So Panya, so, is, where are you? Where's your footprint at the moment? I know you're based in Bangkok. Are most of your users in Thailand? Yes. So it's only Thai users at yeah. the moment. We only have launched in one market. We we've been uh, as uh, as I mentioned, we've been in the market for eight weeks. So it's been an extreme uh, challenge to mm. to both grow um, as fast enough. Also, we we still we closed our uh, first round of funding uh, four weeks ago and we just started uh, our next. <laughs> so it's going in a different speed. It's, it's really fun because it's like we closed the first funding round um, through our network of uh, just more or less friends and we raised it in one week. And it just gave me that feeling of something that I always, uh, it's always been lacking a little bit in, in, um, Outside of SF, actually, it's really hard to just take up the phone and call mm. your, uh, the people that gets what's going on and they get it. And they're all, all of these people are also, they're in the industry. So they're not just rich, wealthy friends. Absolutely not. They're kind of, they're adding value and they're, they really believe in what we're doing. So. Well, the, so this is what I want to uh, ask you is that, that comparison yeah. you've, you were there in Norway not even Oslo, but you were there in Norway, sort of, you know, in, in the, the small town, but you saw that, that thing explode, that network explode. And back in early 2000s, Norway was pretty much ahead of the world when it came to things like digital adoption, um, especially yeah. on the mobile side. Young people, a lot was written about young people on mobile phones in Norway in the early 2000s, late 90s, and yeah. so on. So you had all of yeah. that. You had Telenor, you know, who were really sort of driving that, you know, who were part of that. And now you're in Thailand, and so you are the founder of Panya. You're seeing this thing explode, and it's just sort of an interesting comparison. Do you think, I mean, if you took the model that you're working with and then took it back to Norway or any other European country, do you think it would work? I mean, is there something special about Southeast Asia or Asia at the moment that makes that model work, or is it ahead or behind? I mean, how does it compare? So... So I actually think, uh, I actually think this model will work more or less everywhere. And I think you will see it, uh, on a global, global scale as well. Uh, but I think it's 
perfect <laughs> for Asia. It's, uh, it's made for Asia because it's, uh, um, it's especially the formats we're kind of doing right now, which is kind of game show. So, so everything we're doing right now is, is more or less how, how TV, how TV also, I remember like the first commercial TV stations in Norway launching and, and the first, the first shows, the first original content they had was, uh, game shows. Mm. And, and from there you kind of, and then you start with this other dating shows and, and all the, all the things. So, so I just, I think that we're just copying, we, we, we're not copying, we're like, we're going, history repeats itself. So, so right now we're more or less creating content that, um, yeah, that, that, that we've seen before, but now is interactive. And then in Asia, I, first of all, there's a lot of this content you haven't seen there because yeah, you could say what you, I, I don't know. I know a lot about Thai TV because I've been trying to understand it for a while and I don't. So I, I know that I don't understand it, <laughs> but, but I see also that, um, they have been doing the same thing for decades. Uh, meaning that, uh, and I think any, any kind of audience anywhere in the world is you need to be also uh, educated in a while, in a while. Uh, like you need to, you, you can't expect anything to change if someone is not trying to, to change, the common practice. Like you need, someone needs to do the first move <laughs> to create something new. Mm. Um, and I think the, the, the lack of actually diversity in content, I think is uh, a huge thing here. Uh, that's maybe more like a anecdotal bet than actually having the data already on that. But, and another thing is, um, the, the formats that we are playing with right now, it's all very social. And as we know, Thailand, uh, and Asia in general is, is extremely, the use of social media is massive. Um, uh, so, so this just the social pressure, <laughs> the peer pressure, uh, that you actually get from say, so what we see now is like people uh, using our app, uh, they, we have like this afternoon show and it's like we did that at 12 30 because it's like uh, it's when all the um, it's when people eat lunch which is a huge thing in Thailand to mm. eat food <laughs> it's a it's the biggest uh, social it's, it's one of the yeah most important activities in this culture uh, people don't ask you how you are they ask you have you eaten yet and yeah. um, and 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 we see that uh, this, this, this type of content, it just makes, they, they play alone more or less, but, or they, they watch alone, they're interactive, they interact alone, but they're doing it socially. Mm. So, so they're doing it around friends. Like, I don't know if you'd be like, yeah, no, I, I think I, I can talk about that for a long, long time, but, uh, we're still also learning a lot. I think the most important there as well is like knowing what we don't really understand. So, it's so early. So right now we're still looking into the trends and the data and see what we're doing right and wrong. So I yeah, think, you it know, is exciting. What, what's, exciting. In, what's interesting about what you're doing and being in Asia as well is that, you know, you talk about it being a history repeating itself. I think we have to sort of, you know, the listeners who, who may not come from that era as well of TV will, will not be maybe appreciate that you know back in the day tv was social you know you watch tv <laughs> yeah, yeah thursday night and friday morning in school you talked about what you saw on tv exactly so it exactly. had you know and when that when that sort of went away 
when the social element of TV disappeared, people stopped watching TV because there was no social currency or no benefit in doing it, right? So, you know, that is what kind of is coming back with like these interactive media platforms. So the question is, is, you know, why Asia? And you look at, for example, Thailand as an example or anywhere in Asia, what we have, and people may not appreciate this if they don't really understand the history, is that in Thailand especially, and you get this in China as well, and it happened in Japan 20 or 30 years ago, is you have a large young population who moved from the countryside to the big city. So, you know, like, 10 million people yeah, moved yeah. to Bangkok. So all, all of those young people left their villages, moved to Bangkok. They were kind of uprooted from their communities, their society. So they want to plug back into that society, right? And that social element. Yeah. And these apps do it in the same way, you know, uh, you yeah, look at, for yeah, example, yeah. As, as Starbucks. You know, Starbucks yeah. is coffee. You know, why was that successful? Well, you know, you look at Starbucks came from Seattle. Seattle had the most inbound migration in the US mm. to any city. You know, most young people moved to Starbucks from anywhere else. You know, when they moved yeah. there, they looked for a place to plug in. They didn't have apps. Yeah. They had coffee shops. So it's kind of like, you know, I see... Like the, the first co-working space. The co-working yeah. space is exactly <laughs> what you... Well, exactly. That's what we need. We all need that social platform and i see what you're doing to be filling a hole almost like a society pain you know we all want to connect with people we're all kind of like lonely at heart that's the nature of human beings and you know you provide like the most modern up-to-date app to do that and i think that's why it rocks in asia because asia has uh, the biggest need it's uh it's definitely a enormous need here uh as you see like just a just a normal social just a traditional social media uh numbers show that very clearly that it's yeah. it's not very it's an obsessive need um so maybe we should do an interactive uh, shrink show you are the shrink show in a way aren't you you're sort of dealing with yeah. people's frustrations and the fact that you know, they sit around at lunch and maybe they talk about what they watched on the game show. It creates that something to talk about, which is like, you know, go back to Friday yeah. morning at school. That, that's the key. That's exactly what we're trying to do is to create that uh, water cooler, yeah. uh, something to talk about. And, and that's the key of everything we do right now to to create uh, a short experience that did, that you need to actually be present at that given time is programmed time so you can't yeah. just go and watch it later you you actually need to be there yeah. and uh, and that's kind of going a little bit backwards in a way but it's kind of uh it's a uh, funny how it's uh, yeah history repeats itself so so yeah i think you're right it's, it's definitely this this social aspect to it here that um makes it very exciting mm. to see uh, because if you look at the growth um we Growth compared to similar formats uh, internationally is, is definitely growing much, much faster. Mm. So, uh, well, yeah, as you say, your, 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 your figures were phenomenal. So. Yeah, and the retention is super high. It's kind of crazy. It's like, it's very high retention. Uh, right, it's right. like, yeah. So, are you in investing the, in marketing yeah. or advertising, or you just, it's all word no, of mouth? No, no, zero, zero, zero. I forgot to say that. Uh, no, it's fully organic. We haven't spent uh, one dime on marketing. Uh, we haven't paid any influencers to do anything. It's all organic. There you go. Watch this space. Yeah. So what, what happens next, Gear? What, now that you have your funding, do you, are you focused on getting Thailand right or do you have plans internationally? <laughs> so, uh, so I have my funding, but, uh, that was the, that was meant to, to take us to, um, 
our goals and we just we kind of delivered on those goals the first four weeks <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, right 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 now go. we're we're uh, we're all talking to some uh, some uh, some interesting uh financial institutions that we really would love to work with um yeah. for the long term and and uh yes we're trying to get it right um locally right now but i think we're on the right path there um we're talking to uh, quite a few um, local players to kind of go to take this to the next level because I think still like we're on a <laughs> I still we, what we're actually doing right now and it's kind of funny because we're creating lean TV <laughs> like it's like lean startup mm. but it's like lean TV uh, format and and you can instead of like when you I don't know how well do you know traditional TV but to go from idea to actually have your pilot green light lit and actually get the feedback from the audience takes you could take like months if not years and mm. now we suddenly have this platform where i can actually have an idea and content team can okay let's do it and just if if it if it's technically possible we could do it in the next hour and get feedback from the audience and see if we should do this or not so could could, could a traditional exciting. traditional media company use that to test out ideas uh, absolutely and i'm pretty sure they will start to knock on right. the door very soon but right. uh because it's like it's, it's actually what they've been trying to do. They've been trying to do these yeah. TV shows for many, many years, but they've always been doing um, TV as the first screen and mobile as the second. And this is actually turning it upside down. So so it's, now it's mobile as the first and TV might actually be the second screen. Like uh, uh, yeah. why? What, what we're doing on the on the phone right now and we're streaming from our offices is like stuff that we can also put on a, on a TV channel for 50 minutes and, and they play from their phone, but the TV kind of creates a second uh, screen. Not that we need that, but it's uh, some possibilities there. So, so yeah, so that's exciting. But of course, um, the focus for us right now is also, of course, going regional. Um, we know that it's going to be a very competitive space, mm. and I think there is space for a lot of uh, uh, startups and companies in in this space. Uh, so yeah, so it's exciting times. You never know. It's uh, <laughs> It's still very, very early stage. So, uh, no. so right now it's, I wake, I wake up every morning and I'm, I have like an anxiety because we're not, uh, been ready to kind of move to the next market, but we, we're talking to at least seven other markets. So let's see, let's see in a couple of weeks. <laughs> a couple of weeks. I mean, we are talking weeks really with you guys, isn't it? The way you're growing. <laughs> yeah. At least in my, my head is weeks. Unfortunately, sometimes uh, <laughs> th- th- things cannot go out. Right now we're holding back because we just want to make sure that we don't blow up. But um, yeah, let's see in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Fantastic. That's Gia Winsvoll, everybody, the CEO and founder of Pania Studios, also managing partner at Santora Nakama. Gia, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show and really exciting at times as well. I mean, like you say, four weeks, it's just gone ballistic, your numbers. And I, I, I think everybody would be interested in as a case study, really, you know, six yeah. months from now, is it possible to scale that continually in that kind of pace? I don't know, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. So please come back in six months and update us. Cause you know, we want to know if you're you sure. know, ruling the if, world if or you've, you've run away to your co-working space in Ko Chang somewhere, right? You know, who knows? Uh, what- it's, 
I would, I would, uh, I don't know what I would bet money on. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all kind of waiting to find out. Gear, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.